Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. A reading from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, as we're gathered here to worship, you speak to us through scripture, through song, through prayer, through silence. You speak to us through the word. So during this hour, O Lord, speak to our hearts, our souls, our very being. But as you speak to us, O Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts tuned to know of your presence, so that we may be transformed and leave this place not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So if you read the Bible from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, if you read it and you read through the stories of creation and the patriarchs, the judges and the prophets, the ministry of Jesus through the Gospels, and then the emergence of the church with the apostles. As you read this, you begin to understand that it is a story of human brokenness on one hand and how God triumphs with this idea of redemptive love on the other. Human brokenness on one hand, redemptive love on the other, where God is active trying to heal the world. This last week, we have seen the brokenness of the world all around us. A cursory glance of the headlines or the TV news shows us these stories, right? I mean, we see stories of mass violence and mass shootings. We hear about the reemergence of white supremacy on the national stage. Maybe you heard about a young woman of a famous family. 
with a future all ahead of her and everything seemingly going for her, died of an overdose in her grandmother's house in an idyllic setting, all alone. And maybe you're like me when you look at this brokenness and you ask, what is the world coming to? Or maybe you ask, surely there's more to life than this, right? And as you ask those questions, maybe you're asking, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? 2,000 years ago, the world was so broken and so lost that God said, I've got to show them the way. And so God sent his son Jesus to walk amongst us, the son of God, fully human and yet fully divine. And what that means is that Jesus knows our frailties, knows our fears, knows our faults, knows our shortcomings. And yet, because he's fully divine, he's able to overcome all of that and not succumb to them. In walking amongst us, Jesus came to show us how the world could be healed, to show us the way of what God intended. His purpose and his ministry was to bring all of the world back into this right, close, and loving relationship with God. I mean, he says it in the text that Alan just read. He said, I have come that you would have life and have life abundantly. I've come that you would have life and that you would have life abundantly. I mean, what does this idea of abundant life in Christ mean? So I've been thinking about that this week and thinking about everything that we've read. And here's what I think abundant living means. An abundant life in Christ is a life without fear. It is a life in community. It is a life filled with joy. That's what our world needs today. Christ has come to show us the way and Christ has promised that he would be with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But for us to sort of bring about this idea of the kingdom, this idea of abundant living, life without fear, life in community, life full of joy, it's up to you and to me to be a part of that. To make that a reality, it's up to you and to me to make that happen for our own sake, but for the sake of our children and for the sake of our world. Abundant living means living without fear. I'm tired and weary of opening up the newspaper and reading about the sharp rise in violence, gun crimes and mass violence that's happening in the world. What about you? Are you tired of that as well? Or are you like me that you are embarrassed by the rise and the reemergence of the isms? You know what I'm talking about. Racism, sexism, nationalism, xenophobia, which I know is not an ism. But they're all related, aren't they? This idea that there is some separation that others that are different than us don't count. See, these inculcated fears are not the abundant living that God wants for you, for me, for our world. Maybe as we begin to ponder that, maybe you are angry about it. 
That's actually okay. I mean, you think about it. God got, Jesus got angry enough to act once. Remember, he was tired of watching what was happening in the temple. And so one day he was in the temple and he watched the money changers and he'd had enough. And you know what he did? He took the tables and he said, enough. And he threw the tables over. And then he said, you brood of vipers, which is like really strong language in those days. Are we angry enough about the brokenness to act? Because if we are, that's what abundant living calls us to do. If we're going to abolish fear, we need to be called. We are called to act. That means standing up to the isms. So when we start to hear them starting to, to boil and spool up and sort of flutter around us to say enough, you're not going to talk like that in my presence. We're talking about human beings, not others, as if they don't exist. Or maybe what we need to do is we need to stand up and we need to demand change in what we see in the world around us, demand change in our laws, demand change in what we see our common behaviors and what is accepted these days. To demand that change means that we have to stand up and speak out. There's one thing I know the world is watching and looking for something to happen. And I can tell you, if you want to demand change in the laws, the politicians, they listen, write letters, send emails, call their offices. Because when we demand real change to see something, not a sideshow, not a token, but to see real change that values human life and values the way we treat each other, the world will listen. And that's when we begin to live the abundant life that God wants for us. But abundant living is also about living in community. We see as we read in the newspapers, we listen around in the experts, we see a rise in mental illness. People are more isolated, they are suffering more, they are more depressed, they have this sense of hopelessness. In some cases, as they wrestle with their mental illness, they're asking themselves, I don't wanna be like this, how can I change? And there's no one listening. And that, my friends, is not the abundant living that God intended for you and for me. And if we think about what Jesus did when he focused those that were sick, remember how Jesus built community, he walked in the marketplace, he went up to the woman at the well, the woman that no one talked to, that everyone left alone, and he called her by name. And he spoke to her. And he invited her in. At first, she was like, wait, you're paying attention to me. He called Zacchaeus out of the tree. He healed the leper. He said, you matter to me. You are involved. So we think about abundant living and this idea of community. What can we do? A little experiment that plays out really well in the schoolyard, but really plays anywhere in life is this. Any child can tell you, whether it's a middle school or an elementary school or high school and in a college, that sometimes if you go to the school cafeteria, you kind of see what I'm about to describe, this idea of isolation. There's always one kid or two that are sitting by themselves in the corner that no one talks to. Maybe they're new to the school and they don't have any friends. Maybe all their friends have abandoned them and they are lonely. Maybe they're grieving the loss of someone dear to them, a best friend, a family member. Maybe they are wrestling with feeling like they are the odd person out. And so they sit by themselves. 
how wonderful it is when our children see this person and they go up to them and they sit down at the table with them and they introduce themselves by simply saying, hello, I'm so-and-so. Can I sit with you? And they just sit there and build a casual conversation. Think of the difference it makes in that child's life when someone notices them and that they matter and bring them into that community. But it doesn't just have to be at the cafeteria in a school or at your company. We see this idea where people sort of pull away from life. You see it around. Think about your friends. Look at your friends. If one of your friends begins to change their routine or sort of drop out of life altogether, they're not acting like themselves. Or instead of putting pictures of everything that they eat on Facebook, they start putting up there how they are feeling. And it's not always joyous. When you start to see those signs, rather than sit back there and go, hmm, something could be happening Instead, engage, seek them out and say, hey, are you okay? Begin to build that bridge, begin to speak up to them because you can do something. You and I can do something where we can make a difference in that one person's life by simply building a bridge to them. If you're unsure whether you can do it or not, reach out to those that can, a teacher, a supervisor, another coworker, someone that's closer to them and just say, have you noticed a difference? If it's you that's struggling and you are feeling like you're pulling away from life, don't sit there and suffer in silence. Reach out. There's an employee assistance program probably at your job or here at the church you've got clergy that care and even our own Stephen ministers. I mean, people have been trained to help people work through and figure out how to find community. Because abundant living is not isolation. Abundant living is good mental health. Abundant living is community. Abundant living are people that care about each other and say, you matter like I matter to you. That's what Christ calls us to do, to seek each other out, even at our lowest points in life, because that's when we need each other most. And finally, living that abundant life that Christ talked about. It is about joy. It's about finding the joy. I mean, think of that, just a simple sentence. Abundant living, isn't that really about the essence of life? The sheer joy that you find in it? I mean, think of young children. Young children, they, you know, they really don't have many cares in the world. I mean, once they know they're going to get fed and that someone cares for them and loves them, they just love life. I mean, they can wear a brand new pair of shoes and see a mud puddle two miles away. How they see it, I don't know. And then they're in it, jumping in the mud puddle, gleefully cackling at the splash it makes. Who cares that their white shoes are now brown? They're happy. Or they roll around with puppies and they giggle as you tickle them. They just love life to its fullest. That, my friends, is what God wants for us. That's that idea of abundant living. But you know, sometimes if you can't find a mud puddle to jump in, sometimes you can find that same joy by doing something good that brings joy to others. I mean, think about it. Making a difference in someone's life brings joy to them, but also brings joy to you. So last Sunday, 11-year-old Ruben Martinez, he wakes up in El Paso, Texas seeing all of the horror 
seeing all of the tragedy, hearing all of the, the fear and the sadness and the rawness and the wrongness in the world. And he says, I can do something about it. So he decides to start what he's called the hashtag El Paso Challenge. I mean, only an 11-year-old can come up with a social media campaign, right? Hashtag El Paso Challenge. So here's his challenge. To honor, to remember, to celebrate the lives of the 22 people who lost their lives in that shooting. To do 22 acts of random kindness for others. And of course, he wants you to post it on Facebook so all the world sees that there's still joy. But whether you're a Facebook post or not, it doesn't mean we can't do it, right? To do 22 acts of random kindness to bring joy into the world. But here's the secret. As you bring joy to the world, your heart fills with joy too, doesn't it? Doing for others, doing something nice that brings joy to others fills our hearts with joy as well. And guess what? Now we're on the road to that abundant living that Jesus told us he came to bring. I have come that you would have life and that you would have life abundantly. So as we think back to the headlines, back to the week that has passed and we think of the week ahead, it's been honestly just a gut-wrenching week, hasn't it, for our nation and for our world. We have been confronted by our own brokenness, confronted by the stark reality that this is not the world that God intended for us to live in. But if we remember the good news, the good news that God sent Christ into the world so that we might have life abundantly, then the challenge is out there for you and for me today. The challenge is out there that we must lean on God's love. We must answer Christ's call to act, to act to abolish fear, to act to build community, to act to bring joy into the world for our sake, for our children's sake, for the world's sake. Because God calls us to live an abundant life and that's what it means. So let us go forth and live abundantly today. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.